you would turn in your Bibles to Second uh, Chronicles 20. Second Chronicles 20, it's found on page 437 in your pew Bible. Starting at verse 1. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them some of the Mennonites, came against Josephat for battle. Some men came and told Josephat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazan Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. And Judah assembled to uh, seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. In your hands are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house. And cry out in our affliction. And you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they, they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they re- reward us by coming in to drive us out of your possession, um, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde, that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benani, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly, And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up um, by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed down, bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. 
Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe the prophets, and you will succeed. And when they had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and and Mount Zeir, um, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies laying on the ground. None had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, and precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. You ever been to the Niagara Falls? I remember seeing it for the first time probably about 20 years ago when the, when the kids were younger and being amazed by it. You see pictures of the Niagara Falls, but until you're standing there and watching that water go over the edge, it, you just can't comprehend what, what you're seeing. And I remember taking that boat, you know, that goes to the base of the falls and, and just be astounded by all that water that you saw coming over. And not just on the American side, but the Canadian side as well. Every once in a while you hear of people who purposely go over the falls. How do you convince yourself that that's a good idea? Do you just wake up one morning and think, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to go over the Niagara Falls in a barrel. That'll be fun. Well, apparently a man in 1995 couldn't find a barrel, but he wasn't going to let that stop him. Robert Overcracker of California decided to go over the falls in a jet ski. For safety, he put, on, he put a rocket-propelled parachute on his back. Well, things didn't go real well for him. At his funeral, Overcracker's, <laughs> at his funeral, Overcracker's brother said as part of his eulogy, Dude, it was totally rad. He went flying over the edge like a bird, and then he dropped like a rock. It was a major bummer. His eulogy. (laughs) Uh, Really, though, I've heard that the closer you are to the edge of the falls, you you get caught in a current that it's it's hard to escape. And uh, that's why the the very end of the falls are, are really so dangerous. But have you ever had a Niagara Falls experience? What I mean by that is, have you ever found yourself speeding toward uh, the falls and you can't stop yourself or maybe turn it around? You see something quickly approaching you and, and there's no stopping it. Is it some challenge you're facing? Maybe it's mental illness, broken marriage, grandkids that are out of control, Losing your job, maybe some sickness, financial struggles, you fill in the blank. When the current has you and the end, the end begins to draw closer and closer or the edge, how do you overcome your fear? How do you overcome it? How do you keep from letting it pull you down? 
Well, I think the first thing you need to do is surrender yourself and the challenges you're facing to the Lord. You need to surrender yourself and the challenges you're facing to the Lord. In our story this morning, the king of Judah, King Jehoshaphat, and the people of, of Judah are faced with a really giant challenge. Will they trust in the Lord to be their strength and shield and, and help in times of trouble, or, or will they allow themselves to be filled with anxiety and fear and try to do things in their own strength? Verses 1 and 2. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites and some of the Menunites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told this bad news to the king. A vast army is coming against you from Edom from the other side of the sea. Boy, if there was someone who found himself out on a limb, it was King Jehoshaphat. And it's probably surprising to the king because not long before this, in chapter 19, revival came to the land and, and, and people began once again to turn to the Lord and look to him to be their help and strength but soon after this the good king found himself in a crisis he woke up one morning to find out that not just one kingdom was ready to make war against him but three kingdoms you can just imagine how overwhelming that must have seemed to him at the end of verse 2 we're told The danger is imminent. A vast army or multitude, they were only about 15 miles away, Hazan Tamar, a small town. Since it was less than a a, a day's journey, Judah was faced with a giant decision and dilemma. Because even if they contacted another kingdom to come and help them, it would have taken months to rally those troops and to come to their, their, their aid. And so... With the enemy right there, and there was nothing they can do to prevent it, you can just imagine the terror that filled the people's hearts and minds. Clearly, the falls were fast approaching, and there was nothing they could do to stop it. What was King Jehoshaphat's response to this crisis? With the enemy so near, you'd think he would have summoned all his generals and put a battle plan in place and maybe said a a quick prayer as he sent his men out and got to their uh, defensive positions to try to hold this this horde back. That's not what he does. Alarmed, or you could translate it as afraid, Um, both words could could be used there. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for Judah. Imagine if this was happening to our country. What the invading army, say an invading army was even close to us. Say they were in Cedarville. And the next day they would be in Pickford. They were all ready to start shelling the the town. And because we're one of the closest towns that would be next, you can just imagine the anxiety that would, would fill us. And as you search for a solution, let's say our president came on TV or on the radio and said, stay calm, everyone. Don't panic. In fact, I don't want you to do anything. Don't even eat any meals today. Join me in fasting and praying to the Lord. Can you imagine our president actually doing this? Yeah, I can't either, but 
But let's pretend he did, okay? I'm sure there would be a, a lot of really frustrated people in our country if that's what his plan was, to fast and pray. They, they'd want action. They'd want some kind of battle plan. That's not exactly what Jehoshaphat encourages the people of Judah to do. Verse 4 says, The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. They came from every town in Judah to seek him. From the oldest to the youngest, they came and stood before the king. They stood with their families, seeking the Lord's face, seeking God in prayer. Clearly, Jehoshaphat was feeling powerless, just as we would have felt powerless. He knows there's nothing that they can do to stop this horde from invading invading Judah. And so they have no choice. They turn their eyes to the Lord, which is what we need to remember to do always. I think you could say King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah came to a place of absolute surrender. They knew in their own strength they were powerless. They found themselves at the very place that Israel found themselves when they were by the Red Sea with the Egyptian army blocking off any means of escape, the sea on the other side. And what did God do that day? He delivered them in an amazing and miraculous way. They too were left in in, in that position. They had to surrender to the Lord because there was nothing they could do. Absolute surrender, it's the place you come to when you know that only God can save you. Only God can provide a way out for you. And God is pleased when we come before him like this because it shows our faith. It shows who we're trusting in. And when we do this, he receives all the honor and glory. We can't point to ourselves. We can't say, well, I did this. But we have to point to the Lord. Plus, in Psalm 50, verse 15, God asks us to do this. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. Not maybe, but I will deliver you. As you listen to King Jehoshaphat's prayer, it's clear through the words he's using who he's trusting in. That's my second point. You can just see the trust in Jehoshaphat. Listen to some of the things that that he said in, in the opening verses. You are Yahweh, God of our fathers. You are the God who is in heaven. You rule over the kingdom of the nations. You have all power and might. No one can withstand you. You are our God. You drove out the Canaanites before Israel. You gave their land to the descendants of Abraham. When calamity, sword, and judgment, plague, or famine came upon us, you heard our cry of distress and delivered us. Why is it so important for Jehoshaphat to frame it this way? Why does he remind the people of of who they're asking for help? And I, I think it's obvious. Because the people need to remember who God is, that he's a God of power and a God of might, a God who can do anything. If you look at the Psalms, the Psalms of Lament, they often start out the same way. It begins with praise and worship and reminding the people reminding themselves of who God is. Why is that so important? Because when you eventually go to lament and lay your requests before the Lord, 
You need that confidence. You need to remember who you're praying to. Because then we'll boldly go before the Lord's throne with all our needs and and requests. And that's what King Jehoshaphat is doing. God loves it when we take that step of faith. God loves it when his people do this. Who take his word for what it is and, and just believe it because God said it. No doubt, no mistrust, but just believe that God can do what he says. It's like when God instructed the people to march around the city of Jericho seven times. And then they were to shout, what kind of a battle plan is that? But they obeyed God, and what happened that day? The walls came tumbling down. Same thing when you ask God, like say when you're tithing. Even though it doesn't make any sense to tithe, why would you give 10% of your income? To the Lord, your first fruit offering, we just talked about that a while back. Um, and you might even have some friends say to you, why would you do something like that? Why, why are you giving that to the church? But you know the answer to that, because your trust is in the Lord, and the battle belongs to him. And so instead of trusting ourselves, we need to look to him, and we need to show that even through something like tithing. We also see their trust in God and the way they respond to God's word being proclaimed through Jehezel, son of Zechariah. Let me read that again, verse 15. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. That was good news in itself, but then the next part, you don't, you're not going to have to fight in the battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. It's clear where King Jehoshaphat had put his trust. It's clear where the people had put their trust, because they wouldn't have come and and sought the Lord in prayer if they they didn't. Well, I'm sure this didn't take away from their fear It didn't take their fear away completely. But this gave them the ability to overcome their fear and trust the Lord. Because notice, even though they wouldn't have to fight, they still had to go and face their enemies. What do you think would have happened if Judah would have said, well, God's got this. God said we'd win the battle. I'm just going to sleep in today. God has enough people out there. He doesn't need me. God can do this without me. What's one more person going to accomplish if I go to the prayer meeting? What's, what am I going to be able to do? Um, church really doesn't need another Sunday school teacher. Oh, there's plenty. It's so easy to do that. Do that even as um, it won't be long before we're looking for new council members. It'd be easy to say, well, there's lots of other guys way more talented than me. I don't need to put my name up. But do you see what happens when you do that? If you trust in the Lord, he still wants us to stand up and be willing to serve. He wants us 
all to take that step of faith and sometimes even go outside our comfort zone. And we don't have to fear because the battle belongs to the Lord. So no matter what we're facing, no matter what challenges will come our way, we don't have to be afraid because God will give us the ability to handle it, to get through it. Sure, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to the people at the time. How can you just how can you win a battle by just standing still? How can our little army stand up to this army facing three different kingdoms? How is that possible? How? There's no way. But they trusted in the Lord, and so the next morning they, they got up. And they did as the Lord had said. They trusted and obeyed. That's why we need godly leaders who show us what trusting and obeying in God is all about. Because it's something we all need to do. I hope as you hear these words, you hear the Lord speaking to you as well. No matter what situation or difficulty or problem or challenge that you're facing, Or how close the falls seem. Maybe they've been approaching for a while and you're filled with dread. But you don't have to be afraid. Because we serve a God who can accomplish and do anything. The battle belongs to the Lord, the Bible says. And with God's help, you can overcome any trial that that you're facing. Because in Jesus there's victory, right? Right? And that's my third point. When we surrender our problems to him and trust God wholeheartedly, this brings us to a place of victory. A place of victory. Jehoshaphat and the people were so confident in God's promise that they set out early the next morning and they did as God said. And God rewarded their obedience. God fills Israel's enemies with confusion. Verse 23 says that Ammon and Moab, they took care of the men of Seir, and then after that, these two armies fought each other, and everyone was dead. After they finished slaughtering them, um, slaughtering each other, imagine Israel's surprise as they came to the edge and looked down into the valley, and where their enemy should have been, there was nobody. God did as he said. And even though they didn't do a thing, they never lifted a finger, yet they spent the next three days picking up the plunder. There was so much wealth out in that battlefield among these three armies. That's what happens when we trust in the Lord. The victory is ours. And it doesn't matter what you're facing, what situation, what challenge. We have confidence that we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid because God will be there for us. Outcome might not always be as we would like because God is God and his ways are not our ways. And sometimes he does things that we just shake our heads at. It doesn't always make sense to us. But if you trust God and trust that he knows what he's doing, And you can see the past, the present, and the future all in one glance. 
then you're going to be willing to surrender your lives to him, surrender your problems, the challenges that you're facing. And just as Israel spent three days picking up the spoils from the battle, even though they didn't have to even lift a finger to fight, that's really what Jesus had, has done for us. He went to the cross. He died there and took away all our sins. We added nothing to that. That was a gift that we were given by Jesus. Something that he alone could accomplish. And yet, even though we didn't contribute anything, those who put their faith in Jesus, he invites them to share in his victory. And he loves to, he loves to bless us. One blessing after another. He continues to do that all through our lives. How do you respond to something like that? There's victory in Jesus. We're going to sing that in a little while, but how do you respond to that? And I think one of the best ways is through worship. Let's go back for just a second. After King Jehoshaphat and the people heard this good news and they got ready to go the next morning, who led the procession? The Bible says it was the choir. Who puts a choir in front of the army? You only do that if you're trusting in the Lord, right? Because it's not a very good battle plan. Singing more than anything, I think, expresses where we've placed our trust and our hope and really what we've put our confidence in. You know, nothing chokes me up more like singing Great is Thy Faithfulness at a, at a funeral. You know, when you sing those words... Despite people having tears running down their face, I see smiles on their faces as they sing their praise to God, as they remember where their hope lies. I'm sure to those who don't know the Lord, that's a confusing thing. How how can these people be praising the Lord at a time like this? But for those who have put their hope in Jesus, you know the reason for that because we no longer fear death. Our sin has been taken away. Those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus. And so it's a thing of victory to see someone pass on and and, and go home. Sure, there's sorrow, obviously, but still we can also celebrate because even at a time like this, we don't have to be afraid because the Lord is with us. And it fills us with song. And that's why it's so important even to come to church. Even when you're struggling with things, even when you're a little down in the dumps and and things are not easy, it's good to come into God's presence and sing his praise and worship him. Because we've got to get our focus where it needs to belong, right? Not on ourselves, not on our problems, but on the Lord, who's got all things in the palm of his hand. That's why we don't have to be afraid. Just as King Jehoshaphat and Judah discovered this truth. So it's something we need to remember as well. That in ourselves we are weak, we are inadequate, we are powerless. In fact, we're like old broken pots, leaky pots. But God will take our brokenness and through his grace it will be sufficient. 
to meet our needs, meet the needs of those around us. In, our, in Christ, our weakness becomes strength. We are the victors in Jesus. You know, while we may not be the largest church in our country, you may wonder what kind of difference we can really make here in this place. Yet remember who holds you in his hands. And whether you're facing the Niagara Falls or there's just little bumps in the road, we have a reason to celebrate because the battle belongs to the Lord, right? What good news. I pray it fills you with joy and enables you to shout out right along with the choir and all of Israel. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for not treating us as our sins deserve. And Father, just as you delivered Israel, Lord, you have delivered us. And you continue to watch over us and keep us safe. And we just thank you for that. A gift to your son, Jesus, for the blessings you bestow up, continue to bestow upon us each and every day. Father, forgive us when we allow fear to become a mountain in our lives. And we just pray that you might remove that fear and replace it with trust. Trust in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.